This episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast is brought to you by Shiny Side Up. Yep, Shiny Side Up is back to physical events for 2023, with eight talk series events in Invercargill, Queenstown, Nelson, Napier, Gisborne, Whanganui, Rotorua and Auckland, and two bike fest events in Kapiti and Whangarei. This year is gonna be awesome. If you haven't been before, you have no idea what you're missing out on. With stunt riders, show and shine, New Zealand police displays and a whole lot more, it's a celebration of all things motorcycling. All events will have presentations from the likes of Kevin Williams, Dave Moss, Dr Chris Hurran and Chaotic Blonde, plus a whole lot more. To find out more about Shiny Side Up, go to shinysideup.co.nz, motonz.com or check out the latest edition of Kiwi Rider magazine at kiwirider.co.nz. We'll see you there. Right, on with the podcast. Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray Heron and we're back for 2023. Thank you very much for, to everyone who listened through a summer series of um, slightly out of time um, high beam episodes from uh, way back in 2020. Uh, we are back and before we get into this week's episode, I want to share the details with you of Shiny Side Up. Shiny Side Up is back for 2023. The Bike Fest and the Talk Series events will be happening. Here are the dates. Sunday. 26th of February in Kapiti at the Southwood Car Museum and we're heading up to Whangarei this year on Sunday the 5th of March. We've got workshops, uh, demos, spot prizes, food trucks, show and shine, entertainment, family friendly and of course no alcohol or patches. And the talk series events will be hitting up most of the country as well, kicking off in Invercargill on Friday the 10th of February, Queenstown Tuesday the 14th of February, Nelson Thursday the 16th of February, Napier Wednesday the 22nd of February, Gisborne Thursday the 23rd of February, Whanganui on Wednesday the 1st of March, Rotorua on Thursday the 2nd of March and Auckland on Saturday the 4th of March. More information on all of this can be found at uh, kiwirider.co.nz or motonz.com. Right, let's get into this week's episode. Uh, It's a big one too. Between Christmas and New Year, my mate Todd and I, we hit up the Molesworth and the Rainbow. We headed south to retrace our steps. So let's dive into it right now. Hello and welcome to a random episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray Heron and you join me in... <sighs> where am I? I'll give you some clues before I tell you where I am. I'm not in the North Island. That's clue number one. Uh, I'm on a very well-known road. Uh, just over a year ago, I tried to ride this road with a good friend of mine and we got turned around. I am... At the very start of Awatiti Valley Road. We are heading to the Molesworth. Yep, we're in the South Island and we're going to Molesworth Station. Uh, it is a gorgeous sunny day and it is Boxing Day. The day after Christmas. We caught the first ferry out of Wellington this morning at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. And we've had probably no much, not much more than an hour on the road. Uh, the friend I've, I've got along for the trip, I wouldn't say I've brought him because he's brought himself. G'day Todd, how you doing? G'day Ray, I'm good. Thank you for inviting me back. 
on the trip that we couldn't complete. So, of course, uh, just over a year ago, we tried to do this on the V-Strom 1050 and the Harley-Davidson Pan America. And it was going to be the first time a Pan America been down the Molesworth Road. But that didn't eventuate because it had been smashed by uh, flooding and all sorts of stuff. And, of course, again, it's been smashed by flooding and all sorts of stuff. But they've managed to open the road for summer. Um, good Christmas? Yeah, it was a quiet Christmas. I think I spent the whole time thinking about this getaway. I've been. Um, I think we were talking on the way here, and this uh, the one year ago when we tried to do this was the last time I did like a decent adventure ride over a couple of days. So it's been a long time, but um, nice to be back on the Tiger. On the Tiger, we've got the Tiger and the T7, the Tenere 700, and we're here on our own bikes, which is fantastic. So on the T7, we've got the Midas EO7 front and Midas EO7 Plus on the rear. You've got a similar setup on the rear? Yeah, I've got the EO7 Plus on the rear, the Midas, and then on the front, I've got the Shinko ooh, seven, no, eight, 804 on the front, um, which is kind of like, a, think of like a TKC80, um, but it's a bit flatter profile, not big knobs, kind of flatter, wider knobs. Um, and yeah, it's pretty cheap, but it's, uh, it's a good tire. I really rate it. Um, as far as luggage goes, and I'm not going to bore you with all the setup, but I'll just tell you the luggage. We've got uh, the US 20s on the back of each bike. I've got two, uh, y- sorry. Yes, US 20s on the back. I've got two OS 10s on the front, so I've got 40 litres of luggage plus a tank bag. Um, and you're, you're running real light. You've got a backpack and, and a tail bag. Yeah, as always, I have half the luggage of you. So I've got the US 20 on the back, uh, which I've had for a while, and I've got my R20 backpack, which I've had for about eight years now. Uh, and that's it for the whole trip. Backpack's pretty light. Couldn't ask for better weather and it's heating up. It's 23 odd degrees. Looking down the valley, there's a bit of cloud cover around the mountains, but otherwise blue sky. I say we go. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. It's just gone three o'clock exactly. And we've done, I don't know, 100 k's of of gravel mainly. And we're at the Molesworth Station Gate. Yes, we are. It's a lot longer in than I expected. I thought we were on the Molesworth about 30 k's back, but uh, here we are. I remember when I did this ride with Matthew Day Gillett, and uh, we, we stopped a long way back, and we were saying, yeah, we're on the Molesworth here. It's great. Oh, it's so picturesque. And uh, the guy that was with us, Brett, uh, Brent, came and said, yeah, no, no, you're not. You're not on the Molesworth yet. That spot over there, just past the gate by the big pole, is the uh, second place I ever dropped the Tenere 700. The second place. What was the first? The first was the 40-second traverse. Excellent. So your, your goal is to get around New Zealand dropping your bike at all the iconic adventure spots. Is that right? Absolutely. It's 25 degrees. It's stinking hot. And if you haven't done the Molesworth, I think you really need to. It's absolutely beautiful. Massive skies, blue sky, tufty white clouds. And we've got 80 kilometres of riding through the Molesworth to go with cows. Yes, there's a, uh, a cow that extends for 80 kilometres uh, ahead of us, so um, I guess dinner. Let's do it. What a fantastic day, and it's hard to be sad when you're on the Molesworth Road. Yep, we are, well, I think we worked out we're about a third of the way from the Cobb Cottage to Jolly's Pass. And if you know the area, Jolly's Pass and Jack's Pass are the ways out of the Molesworth on the southern end. And the Cobb Cottage is basically the start of the Molesworth. And you think you're on the Molesworth for ages. And then you get to the Cobb Cottage and the big sign that says the Molesworth and you're there. But um, 
just stopped for a bite to eat and some water. We are, we're on, we're on the Acheron, is it Acheron side of the hill? And it's getting hot. So uh, I'll talk to you again soon. And that was pretty much all we recorded yesterday. Good morning again. It is a brand new day, day two of our trip. Um, and we rode straight through to Amberley. Uh, after leaving the Molesworth, we went through Hanma, got a bite to eat, and then straight down the main road to Amberley, which is actually a lovely place to uh, spend an evening. I mean, there's not a lot here, but there's everything you'd need. There's a supermarket, there's three petrol stations. Um, yeah, the sun is just coming up now. It's a little bit after 6am and we're going to get ready and go again. I think the plan today is to do the rainbow. Just got 11.30 and we are officially on the rainbow road. We've done quite a few hours, well, a few hours of riding this morning. Um, mainly through what is technically the Molesworth. And then you come to this one bit where you have to stop for a fence. And it's the boundary between the Rainbow and the Molesworth. You make your way down the hill across the river and there's a big scree slip, which if you listen to the podcast a few years ago where Matt and I did this road and couldn't cross, or only, could only just cross because the slip had just come down, um, you'll, that's, you'll know where we are right now. Me and Todd, uh, and the weather's warmed up a bit. It's... Um, it's quite nice now. It must be about 16, 17 degrees. Yeah, much better than when we were at Lake Tennyson. It was a bit chilly over there, wasn't it? Um, this road's been nice. I, I'm quite enjoying this. I'm enjoying it a bit more than the Molesworth, even though technically, as you said, it was the Molesworth. But yeah, Rainbow Road. Enjoying it more than you thought you would. Yeah, I think because it's a little slower and technical. I think you, I get a bit bored with the uh, you know, 80, 90 kilometers an hour of straight gravel. That, that's fine, but then you know, after half an hour of doing that, you want to try something else. So um, this is good. Come in through Henmer and go up to St. Arnold. And look at how big these mountains are with the massive screes. It's like rivers of gravel coming down the, the, the mountain. Yeah, and you've got these pylons all the way through. So somehow someone has gotten a truck and vehicles all the way up to run power up through the valley, which is pretty impressive. Helicopter? I don't know. I was thinking vehicle, but maybe. Maybe they use helicopters. Um, and we just met up with some some dudes, some people, a couple of dudes on KTMs, and, you know, it's amazing how when you're on a similar bike to someone else, you can just stop and yarn. Um, one dude was wearing the same gear as you with a little less dirt on it. And um, what did he say it was? Ride Life on YouTube, I think his ch- YouTube channel was. Yeah, nice guys. Um, they pulled up at the boundary of Molesworth and Rainbow, and uh, I think we got a photo there as well. But they were um, they were heading over to Tennyson for the night for camping, which is kind of odd because it's quite early. So they're going to be getting there pretty soon and spend the whole day sitting by the water. I think. Yeah, this early in the day, you can almost do a full lap if you got to this point. <clears throat> now, carry on south, circle round, go back up Molesworth, and stay in Blenheim for the night. You probably could. It'd be a big day, but you can make it work. And uh, we're standing here with some cars about to come past, and I can see you've you've left your camera on, as usual, wasting your battery. That's all right. I'll just turn it off now. I I left my battery on, camera on, wasting the battery, but I've got means to charge it. 
Yep, we don't need to uh, explore how much charging capability you have and how little I have on my bike. Let's talk about that, actually. Let's talk about luggage. You've managed to do this whole trip so far with a Krieger US 20 and your backpack, which is a 20-litre backpack. 40 litres of luggage, and neither of them are full. <clears throat> Where I have the US 20, which is pretty full, two OS 12s, not 10s, 12s. So that's what? 42 litres of luggage, the Moscow Moto Nomax tank bag, and my backpack. Yep, yep, you definitely have a lot more than me. I uh, So I think I've got the, full, the US 20s full, my Krieger backpack I've probably got equivalent of I don't know, five litres in it, so maybe 25 litres I'd be all done, um, all all on the bike. I, I like having the backpack because you can throw, it's a bit more expandable, you can throw a few extra things in it, but I pretty much try and keep everything in the tail bag um, just so that it's not too fatiguing on the long ride. That being said, it does put a lot of weight on the tail, but you know, we're not really riding that technical, we're not going that quick, so it's not too bad. So I've got in the um, OS 12s are uh, my tubes and tools and stuff and tie downs. Like that's pretty much that. And then 20 litres of personal luggage. How have you managed to, what tools have you got and how have you managed to pack it all in there? I've got a lot of tools actually. I've got everything to change, both tyres, two tubes. I've got a compressor, uh, tyre patch kit. I've got all the ring spanners I need for the bike, a full set of uh, hex head uh, or Allen key um, uh, sockets on the end of a T-bar. Um, pliers, multi-grips, yeah, I've got, I got all the tools I need. Um, it's just, it rolls up in a tool roll nice and nice and easily. I didn't bring a bloody ratchet like you did. A ratchet, a couple of big um, sockets, and an extension bar. Yeah, I just have a ring spanner, which is big enough to take the tire off, the rib off. Have you got a 24-inch? I do. Wow. Oh, all right. Well, I think it's almost lunchtime, and we are probably, I'm going to say, within 20 k's of the toll road, which means we're within 40 k's of St. Arnold, and then it's smooth sailing back to Blenheim. Yeah, unless we take a detour and we try to get lost somewhere else. Talk to you soon. So there we go. That's pretty much our uh, Molesworth and Rainbow adventure done. We're back in Blenheim. We were here 24 hours ago down Molesworth, stayed in Amberley, back up Rainbow. Um, Molesworth is what it is, like it's a big, long, easy gravel road. I think the hardest part about Molesworth is the fact that it's long, but highlight? The bulls. <laughs> that's that's was... probably the hardest thing in the Molesworth ride is, that, is the dodging the animals and having so many gates. Yeah, we had one particular gate where there were like six very large bulls. They were too hot to be motivated to do anything to us. They were standing in the way of the gate. They didn't really want to get to the other side of the gate, but they were okay. We just kind of moved them along. Didn't really want. They didn't really want to, but they did. They moved out of the way. That big boy took about five steps off the track and was like, right, that's all you're getting. That's it. And there was another one that's huge, and he was just sitting there panting. He was just too hot. So um, they were all right, but no scary animals. Big rabbits. Saw some massive rabbits. Oh yeah, some weird rabbits. And um, the 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 cows, the baby cows that you just don't know whether they're gonna 
run across in front of you, towards you, away from you. Yeah. So I think that's one thing. If you're going to go and do the Molesworth, just take it re easy around those animals. Yeah. Um, we did Jolly's Pass from the end of Molesworth into Hanma. Mm -hmm. I remember that being a lot more difficult than it was. Easy, really easy. Um, it feels... I wouldn't say it was a one on the scale of one to five. No. It feels like if Molesworth is one, it feels more like a two because you've just done so much distance of... Straight flat. Straight flat. So now you've got some downhill and turning downhill and some bigger boulders, but, you know, only by comparison. Um, going La up is Last time I did it, it was harder. Yeah. Um, it was a lot more fist-sized rocks, loose on the road, kind of yeah. just gingerly taking your way down the... But we did it this time. I did it in third gear. No need for any throttle, just bob, 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 bob down the hill. Coming up was harder. I remember last time when we came up, because you you have to change direction, there's a few kind of hairpins, and because you're doing that with... Uh, whilst also trying to maintain enough speed and momentum without putting your foot down, um, and, you know, obviously if you stop, you then get bogged down, it's really hard to get going. So coming up is just trickier. But going down, yeah, you can just get down the first gear, first or second gear, and kind of wait back and go your way down. It's pretty easy. If you're doing the loop that we did, Molesworth and Rainbow, then I'd suggest... Um, trying to get accommodation in Hanma because that hour out to Amberley, although the place we stayed at was really, really nice, Lovely. reasonably quiet, right on State Highway 1, easy to get to, and shops for everything you needed in town. It was just a long drag. Yeah, it was not fun to get to Amberley and back. Um, if you are more planned than us, book your trip ahead and book accommodation in Hanmar Springs. Before. Or if you're budget conscious, Culverton's close enough for accommodation. Yeah. Culverton was pretty good. We stopped there for breakfast again. Uh, what would you have for breakfast? Waffles, berries, and bacon. And to me, it's not, um, it's not a motorcycle trip breakfast without bacon. You heard it here, folks. Then today, oh. got a bit of wind. It's all right. Just destroying the place. Tornado. It's fine. Uh, today we, what do we do? Um, up on the road by 7.30, breakfast at 8.30 in Culverton, through Hanma. Make sure you get cash if you're going to do the rainbow. Cost at the moment 30, 30 bucks. bucks a bike. Yep. Um, so out Jack's Pass onto the rainbow. Over Jack's Pass was quite moist. It was low cloud. It wasn't raining but the, mm. the moisture just accumulated on you because it was quite thick. Yeah, yeah, I could barely see you in front of me at, at times. Um, the only dodgy part was when there was the horse float coming and I couldn't see them until they were pretty close. So if you're carrying some speed, you don't do that <laughs> because like the road will just turn away and then you may have an oncoming vehicle and because it's loose, you can't really, you know, without locking up your brakes, you, it's really hard to stop, so... Um, yeah, when it's low cloud, we slow down. Hopefully other people do as well. Um, but it was, it was an easy ride. It wasn't difficult. Uh, you were feeling a bit adventurous, kicking the back out a bit more this morning? Oh, yeah, I was just playing with the throttle way too much. So much fun. It was fun. I've, I've got, I've got this, my skill level on that bike to the point where I can start playing with the traction. Yeah, I've noticed that too. You're definitely getting the back out and holding it much longer than before, where it's like, whoop, whoo. <laughs> so it's good. Um, Except I'm behind you, and then I have to copy your dust. So yeah. You pretty much wore my dust the whole trip. Whole trip. 
On to, like, I, I apologise for the rocks, but I don't apologise for the splash of mud up the front of the tiger. Okay, we'll treat that as a half apology. That's fine. I, I accept it. Well, I half you accept put your, your half bike apology. there and you saw the puddle. Um, so from uh, Jack's Pass onto Lake Tennyson, um, that both times I've done that has been at quite a cold stretch. Um, both in the morning, right? Yeah, both yeah. in the morning, both... Um, but Lake Tennyson just always seems to be grey and, and cold. Mm. Um, I, I don't think I would suggest if somebody's doing this trip, make sure you take some warmer clothes, because if you get stuck out there, you don't want to be stuck there in that kind of temperature. It was cold. Yeah, that's, that's valid. Like if you if you've got all your gear to fix your bike, if something goes wrong, you should probably should at least have another layer that you can throw on if you get stuck a bit longer than you expected. Because um, it does get cold in the valley. It gets really cold. We saw some big mountains and some big slips. Just after Lake Tennyson, you kind of go up up and over a pass and you go from one valley into the next. And the next, as soon as we got over that, it warmed up. The sun came out, yeah. there was less cloud cover. And yeah, things got, got, got fun. Um, if you were to compare the, the, the ground surface of Molesworth to Rainbow, you think it would be fair to say Molesworth is more um, dusty and fine and hard packed, where Rainbow, it's less, it's less flat. There's more rocks in the in the trail. It's um, more, uh, not a whole lot, but a lot more picking your line, avoiding the potholes in the rocks. Yeah, that, that that's right. I would say that Molesworth is more commonly driven on and therefore it's well graded and because it's graded there's more finer rocks and it's dustier and it's just it seems to be way drier and hotter in that valley than the other side where rainbow looks less driven on not as well manicured so you've got more natural just general road rocks but then also you have this characteristic that you're much lower so with molesworth you're quite high because the river's down low and then the road's kind of built up around and you're going there's a lot of um, elevation changes um, where I found a lot of the time on Rainbow, we were just flat and all the mountains were on either side. We were going us. down the middle of the valley as opposed yeah. to halfway up a cliffside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we were raised at, at times, but it just felt more like that. And that's probably more evident by the fact that there's like what, six bridges we crossed because the original road went through the river. It would have been fine for us now, but, uh, you know, go to a, a peak season where there's been a lot of water it would have been quite challenging to get through the those rivers so the bridges made it easier for us i don't think we had any river crossings or dry even dry fords on the molesworth yesterday but today on the rainbow there were quite a number of bridges quite a number of dry fords a few wet fords which were slippery um, and probably only one or two actual river crossings with no alternate way around yeah, the river crossings we had weren't particularly difficult. Uh, I think there was only one that was actually quite long, um, which I think... Yeah, the last like, one, the one just after the toll gate. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, otherwise, it, they were pretty easy. They, there's nothing too, yeah. too I'll significant. I'll in insert the clip <laughs> now of you going through the river crossing, which we didn't need to go through, which scared me more than it scared you. But I was, I was on the other side, having gone over the high road and watching you come through it. And when the peak of your bike went under the water, I went, whoa, that's deep. <laughs> it was deep. It wasn't very 
long though, so it was quite down and up. I came down to it. We did a river crossing before and I was like, oh yeah, I'm feeling good about this now. Let's just carry on. So I picked this one. I thought this would be fun. Ray went at the top on the bridge, you know, the normal people way. I was like, yeah, we'll give it a go. And I knew it wasn't very wide. So like I, I thought worst case scenario, it probably wasn't going to be a V, but worst case scenario, I would have enough momentum to push me up to the other side. And if I completely lost it, I would have basically fallen on the other side of the bank. It wouldn't have been in the middle. Um, but yeah, when I went down, it really went down. Um, but I had enough speed. Like I stopped before it, saw what was ahead of me. And I thought if I have enough speed, at least I will be able to pop out the other side. Um, at minimum, whether I'm on the bike or not, that's up for grabs. Um, I think if I went slower, I, I probably would have stopped. I would have gone boo and stopped. You started on the right hand side of the track. And when you came out the river on the other side, you were on the left. Did the water push you? <laughs> hey? Did water push you? No, nah, it was a rock. So I went down and it popped, it popped me across. So I was intending to go down the right and back up the right. But um, as I sort of just navigated the rocks, it just, I ended up over on the left. And there was another section where the road actually went out along the hill, but you could go down onto the riverbed. And there was, we didn't expect it, one river crossing in the riverbed, which I, when you went through, it seemed a lot deeper than when I went through, but I hammed it up. I, I stuffed it up. <laughs> stu Actually, yeah. two river crossings, I stuffed them both up today. Didn't drop the bike, but did did not. They weren't pretty. I felt like you weren't carrying enough momentum. I'm not going to say speed, but like commitment. momentum. There was less commitment. Yeah. Yeah. There was more of like a, a consideration of like, I might have to put my foot down here and stop. <laughs> Where I'm normally like, no, no, I'm getting to the other side. And if I have to put my foot down, that's... That's like last resort. Because um, if, you, if you stop, it's way harder because it's really hard to get going when you're in the river. Um, there's like the extra anxiety of being in the water and it's coming past you. But then also there's less traction. So um, yeah, a little more commitment. I think you would have been fine. But it was funny because one of them was actually kind of really easy and you made it look so hard. <laughs> I, see, that was the last one and I wasn't even worried about that one. Yeah. I was, I've, I've done it before. It looked really easy. Yeah. Uh, I just, I think I might have hit a rock or just got a slight slip and went, hang on, let's reset this. Where I'd probably just power on and keep going. Probably could have. And we made some new friends. We did. They were on the border of Molesworth and Rainbow. Um, there's a gate. That's who you're talking about, right? Yep. 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 Um, border. And we saw them, they were waving. And I thought something might have been wrong. It turns out they were just very enthusiastic. And that was lovely. Um, so we pulled over and uh, they started talking to us, which was good. They're from Nelson. And uh, we, were, they, we were heading towards St. Arnold. They were coming the opposite way, which is funny because they were like, yeah, the weather's just beautiful. It's really good. But they were going towards the rain where we were, <laughs> like, or the like colder weather. We were going, we knew it had gone from cold to warm. So uh, it might have not been as good for them. But um, yeah, they were friendly. So if you're ever in the region and you've got some kind of bike that can do a bit of gravel, definitely at least attempt the Molesworth. The Molesworth is easy, and I've heard stories of people doing it on Harleys, not the Pan America, like cruiser Harleys. Um, Rainbow, if you've got a bike that has a decent amount of suspension travel, I'm not going to say you need a 21-inch front wheel because you don't. You could have done that on a 17-inch. You could have done that on a V-Strom 650. Easy. Yeah, yeah. So well, V-Strim's got a 19, that'd be easy. You could do it with something on a 17. You could even do like a Ducati Multistrada, like the original with a 17. You could do it. It just comes down to speed. Like, uh, there's nothing challenging on that on that route, 
but and not even ground clearance. Um, the rivers were nowhere as long as they were the same height as what we had. Um, yeah, you could do it with the seventeen. Um, so it mostly comes down to speed. I think with the bigger bikes, you've just got a bit more flexibility. The wheels, the twenty-one inch tracks really well in the loose gravel. Um, but you know, on a, another bike, a road bike, maybe not a sport bike, but just a road bike, you could do it. CB like 500, you could do it nice and slow. You'd One of those guys it. that we saw today, uh, was on the KTM 390. Yeah. Yep. 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 It, cast. Is it a, a 17 on the front of that? Or cast 17 or 19. I can't remember which. I'll put it on the screen if I remember. Um, but yeah, give it a crack, get into it. Yep. Post your comments and your photos below. Love to see them. Um, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. As soon as we hit 1,000 subs, we're going to be doing that giveaway of the Cardo Freecom 4X, which we've tried out. We have. Um, yeah. That it's worked. That it would work perfectly for a, a couple of, up to four riders on the Molesworth Rainbow or whatever road trip you're going to be doing. Um, we were running the Arai XD4 helmets, both of us, and the Cardo Pack Talk Edge, which didn't offer the 1,600 meters line of sight range that they talked about. There was a couple of spaces there where we were not even 100 meters apart and um, it was breaking up. But yeah. the, from the from the pack talk bold to the edge, the clarity is next level. As we've said, you go from you know a phone call to the quality that you would expect on like a video phone call, like a Zoom call or... FaceTime or something. Um, I was listening to music both days, all, the whole time. And um, it was on my, you know, playing off Spotify, downloaded playlist. Todd would talk and it, music level would dip. And I could hear him clearly and then it would come back up. It was really good. I enjoyed it. And it probably kept my mojo because I, I like a bit of music when I ride. You do. I, uh, I find it sometimes it eggs me on a bit too much. <laughs> but I did have some music on the way back. That was nice. I had my ear uh, earplugs um, in on the way back. Actually, for the whole whole ride today, I should say. Um, I was getting a lot of wind noise with a lot of the 100 kilometer an hour highway that we're doing. I was a bit sick of that. So I put my earplugs in, the ones I normally have when I'm on the racetrack. And the sound from the Pack Talk Edge was... Fantastic. Like I could hear everything Ray said. Um, in previous times, I've blocked out the road noise, but then everything has been blocked out. I couldn't hear what he was saying. So um, this was a this was a really good surprise. So I, I feel less tired now than yesterday because I don't have that like constant wind noise that normally goes through my, my helmet. Um, yeah, Cardo did great. We were both running Krieger luggage, Krieger uh, US 20 as a tail bag with our clothes and other stuff. Um, you even carried your iPad in it? I had the iPad on my oh, R20 on my back, yeah, where my water pouch should have been. <laughs> but it's a little iPad pouch. Um, yeah, it's good. Um, so you had the R20 backpack. I had the T18 backpack. Brilliant. And I was running the US, no, the OS12s uh, attached to the bars on the bike full of tools and stuff. Um, I didn't really notice a problem with the extra weight, okay. but it's always better to run light. Yeah, I noticed more on the road than off-road. Um, when we're on the gravel, eh, it's all right. I've set my bike up to kind of handle that, but on the road still, I've noticed that that extra weight just takes that little bit extra 
um, weight off the front tire. So if you're coming into kind of a higher speed corner, let's say it's like a, let's say it's a corner that is like signposted as like 60 or 70, like recommended, and you're doing 100 into it. Normally you can tip the bike in, but with the weight on the back, it's harder to just flick it through. You have to kind of brake a little to shift the weight forward and then turn. Um, that's the only difference I've noticed with putting the weight right back on the tail. I don't have too much, probably only eight kilos, but right on the tail does make a big difference in terms of where the weight is on the bike. And navigation for the entire, I want to say weekend, but it's actually Monday, Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, for the weekend, for the ride, uh, was Beeline. Um, mm, Beeline's yep. really, really cool. I've got one here. It's just a little hockey puck, um, which Bluetooth connects to your phone. You've got the app on your phone. You can sit there the night before, the week before, whatever, um, and plan your ride on the app and then save it. Or you can import a GPX file. And then you connect the Beeline to your phone. You put your phone away. You've got your navigation turn by turn all on the hockey puck, which is on your handlebars. Um, a really cool little device, and we didn't get lost. We didn't get lost. My, my favorite part of the Beeline is I, I had mine before you had well, yours. This is actually yours. Oh, I, there you go. Gave him that one. Um, the Because a lot of other people make tracks. So let's say like we have, we made a track to do Molesworth and then, you know, um, Rainbow. We can make that available as like a GPX file. And then all you have to do is download it. And you've got the exact track that someone else has done the work on mapping out for you. And you just follow the thing. It's like, turn left here, turn right here. Um, it doesn't tell you much but it only tells you exactly what you need to do, which is turn left, turn right. And you follow it and you can trust that you are on the route. And if you really are worried, you can pull out your phone and you can see the exact map of where you're going. But in terms of rider information, it's really good to not suck up all your attention. It just tells you what you need to do next. Battery life on these little devices is outstanding. I mean, they're not really doing a lot, are they? Um, but we've used this two solid days now and the device itself still has 83% battery, which is incredible. Pretty good. You do, while your phone is connected to it, your phone will use more battery because your phone's actually um, communicating and, um, and storing a lot of the information that comes back. So if you have like a quad lock, like you have. Um, yeah, quad lock wireless charging head I've yep. got mounted on the T7, or you can get away with like a, a battery bank in your, in your bag. Um, Personally, I, I just had my phone on low data mode in my pocket and it just used more. And then when we get to the accommodation, I just plug it in. But I also know that in my tool bag, I've got the adapter to plug into my bike so, and a cable. So like if I, if I was out and I ran out. If you're doing out, a camping trip, for example. Yep. Charge it during the day yep. on your bike or take a battery bank and charge it at night. Exactly. I don't like having lots of cables and stuff. So I tried to just go and if my phone runs out, I will plug it in as I need to. I know I should have enough to get back to the accommodation, but if something goes wrong, I have everything I need to charge it where I am. So I prefer less cables and just deal with plan B if that happens. That's why I put the um, quad lock wireless charging head on the bike because I have the quad lock on the bike anyway, so it may as well be charging. 100%. And yeah, I could put it on a standard um, mount on the bike and run a cable, but wireless charging here, done and dusted. Yep. Um, and it's got the um, smart auxiliary uh, power adapter as well, which connects directly to the battery, run the cable up to the charging head, and it measures your battery. So when your battery goes below 13 volts or 12 and a half volts, it stops charging. Uh, 
when you turn your bike off, for example. But when you're riding, as soon as you fire the bike up, the 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 what is it, magneto, the alternator, alternator, alternator yeah. is charging on the bike. The bike's power system is above 13 volts, and it starts putting fast charge to the phone. Yeah. So when I started this morning, I was down at 40 percent put the phone on the quad lock, and by the time we got to breakfast, I was at 90%, and that was less than an hour. Yeah, that's great. I don't run my phone on the bike. I've always had it in my pocket, and I don't really know why. Like, I, I just don't really have a reason to buy one for the bike, but I've got nothing against it. I'm sure at some point I will. Uh, I just haven't really bothered, to be honest. Well, that's for me, it's I'm a commuter on the same bike, yeah. so that's why it's always there. Yeah. Or Actually, also, I don't... I don't run a case on my phone. <laughs> like I run my phone, no case. So I would have to like get a case and put it in the case to put on the bike. You just have the case on all the time, right? So then you clip it on. Yeah. I don't know if you can convert me to case life. Uh, I don't know. Oh, see, I had, when I got this phone, no case. It was beautiful. But I had to put the case on to use the quad lock desktop map charger yep. and the bike and everything else. So, yeah, I've got the case. Um, Beeline is available. Oh, Beeline and quad lock are all available from motogear.nz. They're the New Zealand distributor for those. Um, actually, when you got your Beelines, there wasn't no New Zealand distributor. No. Nope. But there is now Beeline. They're, they're, they're great. And you can even get a Triumph branded one if you're a Triumph fanboy. That could be me, but I got them before they came up with the branded one. Would I get the branded one? I don't know. It feels like then if I couldn't change my bike. I like to, I like to have the option of changing my bike without changing all my gear. That's why I don't buy like Triumph branded gear because like you're going to look like an idiot if you change your Triumph for a T7 and then you've got Triumph gear and then you've got to sell your gear just because you're going to look like an idiot. No, no. I'll go with neutral, thanks. I'm not going to get branded stuff. Anyway, that's our trip. Thank you so much for watching. Really appreciate it. Hit that uh, like button. Hit that subscribe button. Share it with a writing buddy of yours. Got any questions? Chuck them in the comments below, and we will answer them. Well, I will. He probably won't. He's useless like that. Um, so, um, shout-outs. G'day, Tiger Hisso. Um, hey, Dad, as well, because um, I know both our dads watch this. Channel. They do watch this. Yep, yep. Um, thanks. We're going home tomorrow. Might go home via... Port Underwood. Port Underwood. Yeah. But otherwise, it's... We're done. Three o'clock and I need a beer. He needs a beer. Huru. Bye. And that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. We will be back next Thursday with a brand new episode on every Thursday right through to the end of the year. Uh, if you like what we do, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you want to get in touch, you can email me, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. Everything I do happens at motonz.com. And the YouTube uh, uh, channel is under motonz. As soon as we hit 1,000 subscribers, we are giving away a Cardo Freecom 4X, a duo pack. So head up YouTube, search up Moto NZ, and um, hit that subscribe button to be in to win that. Um, Matthew Day Gillett's website is onthrottle.co.nz, and of course Kiwi Rider magazine out twice a month, absolutely free at kiwirider.co.nz. Otherwise, I've been Ray. This is Kiwi Rider podcast. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. This episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast was brought to you by Shiny Side Up.
Yep, Shiny Side Up is back to physical events for 2023, with eight talk series events in Invercargill, Queenstown, Nelson, Napier, Gisborne, Whanganui, Rotorua and Auckland, and two bike fest events in Kapiti and Whangarei. This year is gonna be awesome. If you haven't been before, you have no idea what you're missing out on. With stunt riders, show and shine, New Zealand police displays and a whole lot more, it's a celebration of all things motorcycling. All events will have presentations from the likes of Kevin Williams, Dave Moss, Dr. Chris Hurran, and Chaotic Blonde, plus a whole lot more. To find out more about Shiny Side Up, go to shinysideup.co.nz, motonz.com, or check out the latest edition of Kiwi Rider magazine at kiwirider.co.nz. And we'll see you there. Thanks for listening.